Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. Back for the first time in June, I believe. It only took us two weeks, but you know, it's a little bit slower this time of year. Trey's on vacation, hoping to get an internship down in Tennessee with a magazine. I'm hoping he's doing well. And uh, it's just good to be back. I'm joined today by my friend Zach Janice, of course, been on the podcast a few times and happy to have him back on here. Now, a Utah native. Oh, look at that. He is... he has found work in the Salt Lake City Valley, and uh, that, is, that is where he currently resides. So what is up, Zach? How are you doing? <laughs> I, I think I've been on since I moved back up here. Maybe once. Maybe once. I don't once. remember. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's good to be back. I, I have, I have, I, we were just talking. I've not been on a podcast, I think, since the last time I was on the End Zone podcast. So uh, it's really been a while, and uh, I, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we only go for the cream of a crop guest, the elite of the elite. Yeah. So uh, we, we had to make sure we, we, we got you back on. That's for sure. For this middle of June uh, NFL podcast. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Top tier. Yep. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to put last time we did a show or two times ago, we we played a little what does trade believe where we asked. I asked Trey some very pointed questions about each NFL division and Zach has been kind enough to come up with some questions of his own for me so we can determine today what's Eric believing here in uh, mid-June and that'll be a good precursor to next week I'm hoping to have Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune on always a fun episode with him talking his love of the Jets we might do some Sopranos talk there might be a little football Utah football talk intermixed in there should be a good time had by all on that one but let's just get back into football and football which I which I haven't really done much I haven't listened to a football podcast in weeks I have been tuned out of football, but today was about prepping and getting some takes ready. So let's start this football podcast by talking about hockey. How about that? Why don't we start this? Because my team, the Colorado Avalanche, are in the Stanley Cup Finals. And I mean, I got to talk about it. Uh, it's the first time in my lifetime. Well, I guess I was one the last time. They your, were. your conscious lifetime. Yeah, my yeah. first time in my conscious lifetime, they've been to the Stanley Cup. And I gotta tell you, it's a pretty sweet feeling. Game one was a, was a lot of fun to watch. And Zach's been very plugged in on that as well. So Zach and I will talk about that. Then we'll hit what does Eric believe. And then we might get to a few mailbag questions. We might only do half these mailbag questions this time. And then I'll save some other mailbag questions for later. And we'll, we'll get out of here in 45 minutes to an hour, and we'll have a good time while, while doing it. So, Zach, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals, what was your biggest takeaway? Um, I, I Man, this this playoffs has, has been wacky, I think, uh, in, in good ways and in bad ways. I think they're it just kind of as a scope of the whole NHL playoff picture, I think that there were a lot of teams – um, that kind of disappointed or or escaped, you know, really bad situations that that they did not really belong in or shouldn't have been in, according to the way we uh, viewed them in the regular season. Like, um, I, I mean, there are other teams that we can get into, but uh, I mean, 
Colorado came out on fire in, in game one. And, and I was, it was honestly to the point we finished, I finished watching the first period and I was like, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to watch anymore. You know, it's a three, one score to wash. Um, you know, the, the defense, Colorado's defense is, has to be good. They, they have to shut that down. The three, one lead, you know, with a team that good there, there's no way like that. That's a lock. That's a lockdown win for sure. But I mean, Tampa Bay, it's two incredibly talented teams. I think that both of these teams deserve to be in the Stanley cup final. Um, if you ask me like who of the playoff uh, bracket, like deserves to be here the most based on merit. I think that these two are honestly the teams that I would pick. Um, I think that every other team kind of has their faults. I know that Edmonton was pretty strong um, right up until they ran into Colorado, but um, I, and, and I think it's a beautiful thing uh, the Stanley cup playoffs. It's seven or it's four, seven game series. And I think that through that, you get a you get really down to the best team in the league. And I think that whoever wins this will rightfully, you know, deserve to be called the best team in the league. It's not something where you can luck into a Stanley Cup. Um, that being said, I, I really don't know who to pick. Uh, I, I was I was lean. I mean, Colorado came out the way they came out. I was definitely um, intrigued by that. I was I was surprised with how uh, Andre Vasilevsky played. Uh, he was kind of. Uh, you know, weird early on, let in some softies. Um, none of those, the first two goals, I think were, were honestly kind of soft. And I think that um, there was the one, the uh, Valerie Nechushkin goal that went five hole. That was his first five hole goal to playoffs. I saw that on the, on the broadcast. And so, you know, he was scratchy or, or uh, uh, what's the word spotty, I guess his performance wasn't great, at least in the first period. Um, but uh, he, de- I mean, he came back, he woke up and I guess that's what happens when you sweep in the conference final, you have all that time off. You're maybe a little rusty coming back. And I I'm just, I'm surprised that they clawed their way back into it. I kind of thought it was going to be a wash and it reminded me of how Tampa started this, this year's playoffs. I mean, their first game of the playoffs was getting blown out uh, by Toronto. It was five, nothing final, nothing doing. They looked ugly and like, it just didn't look good. Um, then obviously we saw how that, that turned out and, you know, Tampa's still playing hockey. So obviously they figured it out. Um, and I think that they'll figure it out here and, and figure out a way to make it an interesting series. They already did in game one, you come back from, from a two goal deficit uh, and, and take it into overtime. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's, t- it's tough to pick who the stronger team is. Uh, Eric, I don't know if you watched this, but, but what, what were your thoughts? And I, and admittedly, I want your homer take here because I know that um, the score sheet and the way the game actually panned out are two different answers. So, so, I mean, what did you, you think? You don't Color- think I watched game one of the Stanley cup? No, Finals? I do. I do. No, I do. I'm not saying that. It. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not saying <laughs> I, I was saying that like, you know, to, to someone who only sees the final score and they see the Colorado one in right. overtime, right. You might not think that they were down three, one at one point. So like what put, take, take us through it. You know, when, when it's two, nothing uh, and I guess when it's three, one after the first, what are you feeling and how does that change as Tampa Bay comes back? Well, I, I kind of saw a Tampa Bay comeback coming. I, I won't lie. Tampa Bay is just so experienced. I mean, they, they are back to back Stanley cup champions for a reason. They're a dynasty. You can never count the Tampa Bay lightning out. I think the Rangers series, quite frankly, showed us that the Rangers looked dominant in games one and two. And then the lightning just remembered, Oh yeah, with a Tampa Bay lightning, let's take care of business. Let's handle it. And they, they won by multiple goals in games three, four, five, and six, all 
four straight in a row to win that series and get to the Stanley Cup Finals. It was really impressive. To me, I worry, I just worry about the goaltending for Colorado, which Darcy Kemper has not been my favorite guy through this year. He, he has really struggled at points, and he, he gave up some weaker goals. That first goal, Bowen Byram stopped skating for half a second. He's a young defenseman. There's a kind of lapse in judgment, and he doesn't quite get to Paul in time to keep the deflection from going in. But that's a fluke goal. But, I mean, that Andre Palat goal, for the feed from Kucherov, the deflection, it's all just incredibly beautiful. But the Sergachev goal, to me, that's inexcusable. I know there are screens in front. I know it goes off the post. But still, you got to be able to get your glove up and make that save. The fact that they won is huge. They need to win on home ice. This series is going to go six or seven games. The Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win at home. That's what's going to happen in this series. And I, I think the Avalanche can ultimately get it done in six or seven. But for right now, they need every win they can get. And the fact Burakovsky gets that beautiful overtime goal, it just makes me feel better after game one. I, I feel a lot better about the series now, but I am in no way, shape, or form confident the St. Louis uh, why do I St. Louis Louis. maybe it's Martin San Louis who played for them for a little while maybe that kind of got mixed in but no the Tampa Bay Lightning have only lost back-to-back playoff games like once in the past three years and it happened in last series against the Rangers before they won four straight so I think they're going to win game two. I think it'll be pretty interesting to see how that all ends up playing out. Um, But man, it it was good to get a victory in game one. It was just really solid to to get a victory. Has to to be. Yeah. I was, I was admittedly, I think I was too young to like really get what was going on when, when the Kings were in it, you know, in the, in the early 2010s, that feels like forever ago now, but no, you, know, you weren't I mean, we're the same age. You were yeah, but like I remember those King Stanley Cups vividly. Those were the first Stanley Cups I really like paid attention to as as a as a young person and as a sports fan. So no, I I think you remember those. Yeah, it wasn't and, that and, I I know where I know we think we're old, but it really wasn't right. that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I what I was really getting at was that like you know watching your team win game one of the Stanley Cup like it's just got to be fun it's just fun it's fun fun to be here isn't it it's fun to be fun to be here yeah fun to be here uh uh, it is fun to be here uh to me I'll have a good time no matter what as long as they don't lose in like five games as long as they don't lose like depressingly in five games and like the rest of the series isn't competitive, I'm happy. They want yeah. a Stanley Cup game. Of course, I'm a fan. I want to win the Stanley Cup, but I'm just very happy to be here. It's it's a fun time. And I, you know, the Avalanche are a young team. I know they're kind of going to be in cap hell in a, about a year, but they have good players under contract that you can kind of put replacement value players around. They're going to be in this spot for a little while, I think. And I'm I'm just happy that they made it this year so I can say that I've 
that I've seen it. So I, I'm I'm excited for game two on Saturday. Yeah, I, I will say I, I think that Tampa kind of coming out flat footed. Um, unfortunately, I mean, except for the Florida series, but that that's tough to tell because Florida just folded. I really don't know what to make of them. But um, I mean, game one against Toronto was ugly. It was a five nothing loss. I mentioned that earlier. Game one against the Rangers, like you said, it was one of the two games they lost in a row for the first time in whatever thousands of years. Um, was also ugly. There was a 6-2 loss. And so, you know, I, it might be, you, you might see the the veterancy of the Lightning come out later in the series as they adjust, as they kind of learn how to coach around the Colorado Avalanche after seeing them for the first time. Um, you know, it, it's just, yeah, it, it's going to be exciting. And I think that, honestly, I got to say, this is probably one of the more even Stanley Cup finals I've I remember seeing in a long time. Um, I mean, going, it's, I don't remember specifically off the top of my head, but like, you know, last year, Montreal last year, way in over their head against the lightning saying, I, I don't remember how the stars really were on a game to game basis, but you know, uh, the lightning on paper were just such a better team. And it, it's, it's, it's exciting. I think that honestly, this is probably the best Stanley cup final we could have gotten out of the 16 playoff teams. And, uh, it's exciting. And again, I'm going to make the pitch. I make this pitch every playoffs, but to your listeners, if you're not watching hockey yet, just do it. Throw it on a final game. It's like, it's worth every second and you're going to pick a team and it's going to be entertaining whether you care about the sport or not, or you have a favorite team, just watch it. Just watch the Stanley cup final. It's so yeah, much it's, better. It is fun. It's going to be a great series. And what, what else you would watch like OTAs or something yeah. like what else is there? You know, yeah, there's, like, there's middle of June baseball and then there's the Stanley cup final, you know? And like, if you're a basketball fan, I get it. A lot of basketball fans in Utah, there's a basketball team here. But ABC really did a solid. They lined it up so that the finals are wrapping up right now. So you can still watch the finals on the Knights vs. Not Hockey. But on the Knights vs. Not Finals, and you're like, hey, I need a sports fix. Yeah. You can, watch, watch, uh, you can watch, uh, you can watch the Warriors win it tonight. And then, uh, and then it's just Stanley Cup final, you know? <laughs> I- I think the Celtics win tonight. That's just I me. Don't know. I think I think we're going. I think we're going seven. I'm excited for that game as well. We're recording a little bit earlier, so we can both catch some of that. I am pretty excited for that. Gonna gonna be a good time. All right, let's get to football. Football is now two months around the corner, basically. Um, training camps will open up in late. July. There's been some NFL news, but Zach has some questions for me because I like to do this every year. I like to go around the NFL and kind of see where I stand on things before I dive really deep into the rosters and such and just see kind of what I'm feeling. I've been reading Greg Rosenfall's projected starters series today. It's been quite interesting and quite good. I've picked up some tidbits. So let's let's just get into it here, Zach. What do I believe? <laughs> yeah, I think, and and I, I, you know, these these exercises can get, and especially in the off season, a little repetitive, just because there's really only so much info we can go off of. Um, it's all kind of in front of us right now, and I think that that that's the cool part about being in the off season is that, um, you know, training camps are underway. You're not, you know, other than like holdouts and things like that. It's tough to um, change things and, and, and other than implementing, you know, things on the offense and defense, you know, the, the nitty gritty of it, but the teams largely look like what they're going to look like in week one, unless something crazy happens. But, 
um, generally, this is the time of the year where you want to kind of make these observations. And I know that that everyone kind of thinks that, uh, you know, it, it's tough to tell and that the offseason trying to have takes in the offseason is a, is a bit of a lost cause. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think that after the draft uh, and you and after you see how teams draft, you understand where where they put priority. And I think that with that priority, you can start to have these opinions and really they, they will come to fruition throughout the season. Um, I think, you know, I, the, the takes that I have about the teams that I actively pay attention to usually will hold up and be proven one way or another. It's not, these, these arguments don't lose their footing throughout the regular season. And so um, I was really excited to put this, this list together just because um, I think that, yeah, again, like I said, the, the season is in front of us. So um, I started uh, in the AFC uh, and, and really just went north, uh, went northeast, southwest, went, did that for both divisions. And I have one question for you for each of them. Um, and so I, we'll start with the north. And, uh, and, and it's, it's no, uh, no unfair uh, treatment. I didn't pick favorites. The NFC West question is not about the 49ers. And I did that on purpose. Um, All right. So we'll start with the north. Uh, and, okay. and my question for the AFC North, sorry. Um, is where does Cincinnati sit after their Super Bowl run? Are they here to stay, or was 2021 a lucky strike? You know, that all depends. There's some interesting Cincinnati whisperings going around right now that Odell Beckham might be interested in the team. That's something that's been floating around quite a a lot in the local media there in Cincinnati. The roster's certainly good enough. They're a little bit thin at wide receiver. I will say that. But the big three that they do have with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all coming back, you know, it's it's going to be a good team with good pieces around them. They bring in Hayden Hurst to replace C.J. Uzama. I think that can work out well for them. And they really did invest heavily in bringing in Lyle Collins and, you know, Alex Cabot to be – replacement level um ted karras as well you know replacement level offensive line players which was something they really struggled with last year i think if the offensive line is even a little bit better and joe burrow has even a little bit more time to to throw the football things are going to be good because to me Joe Burrow is a no doubt top 10 NFL quarterback. And as if you have one of those, there's a chance he's top three. He hasn't shown enough consistency yet, but if you have one of those guys that's in the top 10 and can battle to be a top five guy every year, you're always going to be in the mix. Not to mention the fact that they're secondary outside of Eli Apple and Eli Apple might not even start is very deep. They have a very deep and very good secondary. And that's largely how they beat the chiefs last year. And if they can stop these high flying passing attacks in the AFC, I I really do think that there is a chance that they end up uh, being the team to be in the AFC North once again. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that they better than any team. And again, I'm looking at, looking at my 49ers there. Um, they understood the things that, that led to their shortcomings. And I think they addressed it beautifully. And I, I don't quite understand what the conversation is that they're not going to be as good. Um, I think that, you know, obviously you can have bad seasons and I think obvi- if enough players have bad seasons, yeah, your team's not going to succeed. But 
if if everyone plays to par and to expectation this year, I I don't understand what the what the conversation is. There, I think they're a lock for the divisional round at least if they're playing up to par. You know, unless something goes horribly wrong and you have a bunch of injuries and things like that, I I don't see a reason why this team isn't playing January football. You know, and, and maybe maybe even getting a buy Kansas city lost some pieces, you know, you, you never know. It's not a shoe. And I think like it used to be a couple of years ago. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd take them over the bills, but they certainly have a chance to compete. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, th- I think they're in there for sure. Okay. Um, speaking of the bills uh, moving on to the AFC East. Uh, my question for you, Eric, is who has the best chance of taking second place behind Buffalo. And I originally wanted to leave it to just um, New England or Miami. Uh, but I don't know, maybe you have a, maybe you be- really believe in the Jets. So I wanted to, to leave that open. So who, who's second in the AFC East? Yeah. You know, I do this every year with like a team that's obviously going to be mediocre to bad, that they have like the draft Knicks love the great the love draft and everything, you know, looks up for them. And I know I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong, but that's not going to stop me. <laughs> it's never stopped me before, Zach. I like the New York Jets. I really? like the New York Jets a lot. I mean, they've got weapons and it all depends on Zach Wilson being good. It all depends on if he's good. And there are, Varying reports on whether he's good or not, but they fixed the offensive line. They brought in Lincoln Tomlinson. They got more weapons. Garrett Wilson coming in through the draft. They have Corey Davis. They have Elijah Moore, who was quite good towards the end of last season. Brees Hall's this guy that they think can really become a player. You know, Michael Carter, he's going to be the backup, but he might provide a second one. But I really, and I mean, I really, really like the defense. I just really like the defense. Carl Lawson, they didn't have last year. He tore his Achilles. But before last season, they brought him in, and he was going to be the best pass rusher they've had in 15 years. And, yes, Achilles injuries are scary, but if he can even be a semblance of a pass rushing threat, that's going to be really, really good for them. And, you know, they draft, uh, of course, names start to escape me. They draft Jermaine Johnson the second. He is a very good edge player out of Florida State. I think he can come in and have an immediate impact. They've got Quinnen Williams, who really showed out last year, really rebounded from a tough first few years and stepped up and said, hey, I am worthy of where I was picked. I'm I'm a staple in the middle of the field. They have Sheldon Rank. Rankins next to him, the linebacking core. I like CJ Mosley. And then you've looked for years and you've said, okay, who, what, okay, who, who's playing secondary for this team? Like, what, why should I even believe in them at all? They draft Sauce Gardner, arguably the best cornerback in the class, a guy who can step in and be an immediate day one starter. They have DJ Reed. Michael Carter, the second, is a math player, but that's better depth in the backfield than they've had in literally years. I think with Robert Salavera as the coach, the defense is going to be above top 15. And yeah, Robert Sala. 
yeah. in his third year. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that they could – I think Salah is a talented enough coach, and we saw what he did with San Francisco. I think this can be a top-10 defense. I just think this can be a top-10 defense. And if you have a top-10 defense and Zach Wilson can play league average, which isn't a lot to ask, I do think he can play league average. Are they going to be a playoff team? The AFC is extremely tough. Probably not. But I could see 10 wins. And the other thing is, a lot of people say Miami. I went on playoff predictors, and I did the schedule simulation quite a bit. And let me just tell you, I, I, I just don't see it for them. And maybe I'm just too a hater, but I – yeah, that, 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 that was going to be the follow-up. Is is does know, that does your answer change? Is it is it Miami if if they have their quarterback room figured out? Yes, if two is good, Miami's probably the answer. But we don't know two is good, so to me that makes the Jets equal. If that makes sense, because you know, like I, you know, excuse me, sorry. Like I said. We know that Zach – we don't know if Zach Wilson's good. We also don't know if two is good. I think I like the Jets roster a little bit better than I like the Dolphins. All right. So not New England. No mention. That's the first time we said that name. Yeah. Uh, they didn't do anything to help Mac Jones. I mean, what did they really do to help Mac Jones? I mean, their wide receiver core consists of – what Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, uh, yeah, they didn't think. change Nelson, a lot. Nelson Aguilar, and, and who's going to be calling your offensive plays, Matt Patricia? Like, yeah, I, 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 I like Bill Belichick a lot, I respect him as a football coach, but nope, I just don't, you know, they didn't, they didn't, I, I don't think they drafted particularly well. I, I don't, I don't think they did enough, yeah. And I mean, you you could coach up so much, and we've seen teams like this, especially Bill Belichick teams like this, you know, in the Super Bowl because he's able to coach them. But I don't know; they they definitely slipped in the past couple of years. Um, they did get into the playoffs, and they they were able to you know make an appearance and and serve as the practicing or the practice squad against Buffalo. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they had a lot of areas of need, and so they they attacked what they could, I guess. Um, but also in it, I think that with where they were drafting, it's tough just because the way the draft was, um, it was a defense heavy draft, I think. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they did enough. Do you think they're like a last place team? Like you think that Miami and New York both kind of improved enough to where, you know, New England can kind of find itself in, in last maybe, or, or, or where, where do you think New England lands? I think, to me, they finish as the third or fourth best team in the division. And I, I, I don't see them as a playoff team. I mean, I like Mac Jones enough, but they didn't do enough to help him. And that, that'll, that'll really be what it is. I don't think Mac Jones is ever going to be a good enough quarterback where he's going to single-handedly drag your team to the playoffs. I, I just don't think that's what his ceiling is. It, that could be wrong, though. 
players make jumps from year one to year two. And I think Mac Jones was better in year one than people thought he was going to be. So might be the same in year two, but I, I just don't feel confident in the Patriots. Yeah. They also traded away um, JC Jackson too. one of their, a, a name that, you know, was they had, a, he had a pretty good year, I think last year to, to trade him away. Very Belichick move. Not sure. I understand it, but uh, he's got seven, seven or six rings and I don't. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to claim to know more than, him. but moving on, uh, moving on to the AFC South. And this one's a tough one because the AFC South is pretty boring now. But um, my question for you is, does Indianapolis's recent additions make them the favorite over Tennessee? This is a tough one. I really do like Indianapolis after they got Matt Ryan. I, I really like Matt Ryan as a replacement level quarterback. They have Jonathan Taylor. The wide receiver core is a little bit shaky, but Michael Pittman was good last year. Alec Pierce is a high upside guy out of Cincinnati. There are real questions there, but you know, I, I like the defense still. I, I think it's a very solid defense. They bring in veterans like Stefan Gilmore to kind of help with a young secondary quite a bit. Julian Blackman, former Ute, has played very well there and has developed into a very quality starting safety in the NFL. I like what they have up front with DeForest Buckner and trading for Yannick Ngakwe. I like I like that. And Darius Leonard has always been one of the better in, inside linebackers in the NFL. And I, I think he provides real leadership and is the type of player that just makes defenses better. The Titans are tough to, I mean, I did not like the AJ Brown trade. If they had kept him, I probably would have leaned Titans, but they're counting on Robert Woods, who's coming off an ACL injury. They have some real talent up front. Jeffrey Simmons really showed out towards the end of last year, and Harold Landry began to kind of take hold as well. But you look at the secondary, and once again, going into the year, there are major questions in the cornerback room. And Kevin Byard took a step back last year, and you just kind of start to wonder, okay, what, what are the Titans other than a, a, a good team? They're certainly not going to be bad. But in a bad division, can they beat the Colts? I think it's a toss-up. And, and I don't think there's a, fa a clear-cut favorite for this division, but I would not say the Titans are, are a favorite. Yeah, I think that, yeah, the uh, the AJ Brown trade really killed them. I think, like it, it took a lot of of potential, I think, away from this offense. And I mean, I, I it's tough. It, it it's an existential conversation that more teams are having about whether or not you can win uh, on the ground. Um, I, I thought we'd come to an answer on that. And that it was a resounding no that you, you have to have an air attack to be successful um, in this league. And I, I guess if Robert Woods is your, you know, first wide receiver and, and that's who you want to try and do that with by all means. But I, I just don't think that 
um, Derrick Henry can do it all again, like he did two years ago. Um, and I think that the roster is just not there to make up for it. So I agree personally. Yeah. I think it's in these, in these division to lose barring, you know, again, disaster, things going wrong, people getting hurt. Um, I think that, yeah, like you said, Matt Ryan is a consistent enough quarterback that you kind of know what you're, you at least know what you're getting. I think, um, uh, you know, more so than they, than with Carson Wentz, um, and I think that, yeah, they're, I, they're, uh, what's the word? I think they're more stable. They, they underwent more change, but their identity stayed relatively the same and got better. Um, w- losing AJ Brown, I think is, is a killer, like I said. And uh, yeah, I don't think they come back from that much of a loss, I think, at least this year. Um, okay, moving on. Last question for the AFC. Uh, this one's a little more straightforward and it, ta- it took a note account just because I think the AFC um, West, excuse me, is um, probably one of the more interesting divisions this year um, with all the additions and, and kind of how everyone has been stocking up, I think, in the offseason. Uh, I think that there were some key moves that that really jump-started a arms race in the AFC West. And so, Eric, if you if you wouldn't mind, just give me a give me standings. Give me a one to four, who who's in, who's out. Uh, records if you want it was really my my question is more about placing but I mean who who comes first who comes second you know who's making the playoffs what are your thoughts it's extremely tough so the more I've thought about it the more I don't think three teams are coming from the division I think it's only two because the AFC North is just too good um depending on what happens with the Deshaun Watson suspension, of course. But you figure you look at playoff spots and you figure the AFC North's probably getting two. Uh, The AFC South's just probably getting one. That's three. And then I do think that you could make an argument that the AFC East could get two teams in, whether that be the Bills and, and it could be any two teams. It could be Bills Jets. It could be Bills Dolphins. It could be Bills Patriots. Any any one of those combinations. I'll start with one. I think the Chargers easily win the regular season. I think that they they just did the most to be the deepest team in the division and have the most talent. I think that they will win the division. I think. The Chiefs are due to regress a little bit to the mean, but they have Patrick Mahomes, and I'll just never pick against Patrick Mahomes making the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. The Chiefs, I feel sad. I mean, I hope the Broncos make it as the third team, and I think the Broncos can make it as the third team, but there's a chance they win 10 games and they still don't make it. Or there's a chance they win 11 games and they still don't make it. Like, that's how tough the division is. And the same thing goes for the Raiders. But the Raiders and Broncos fans point this out a lot. So I am a little bit guilty of being a homer here. But if you look at the Raiders' back seven, if you look at their secondary, it's not good. Trayvon Mullen isn't good. Rocky Sin has never been particularly good. Who is Nate Hobbs? He is going to be starting for them. And I mean, their, their best secondary players, Trayvon Morig, I guess. He, he was a reach in the first round a year ago. So 
how are they going to stop the Chiefs, Broncos, and Chargers on consistent basis? I just don't think they will. But the offense is certainly good enough. I mean, Hunter Renfro is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Darren Waller and Foster Moreau are a dynamite tight end tandem, and they add the best receiver in football to an attack that Derek Carr seemingly figured out how to run to the best of his abilities last year. That's the best Derek Carr has ever looked in in this offense was last year. So it's going to be extremely tough. But if you had to ask me today, I think I'd go Chiefs, uh, Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders as as the way the division finishes up. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but is it is it a scenario where are, are you surprised if like I mean obviously if if you know the Raiders finish first or something that's obviously surprising. But I mean, is there any combination of these of of this uh, of these standings where where you are surprised? Just because I mean, everyone, all these teams got so much better. I think. I mean, maybe except Kansas City. Um, you know, you you lose Tyree Kill, but uh, I mean, the other three teams they they just loaded up, and I think that it's it's going to be a lot of you know defense stay home. You know, a lot of shootouts. I think in these interdivisional games. Um, and I think when you get to that, it, it kind of turns into a luck thing, you know, who kind of, who has the ball last. I think that the, the chiefs were the beneficiary of that along for a long time for the past couple of years. But I think that all these teams now are at a, a, a much better place, I think, than they were last year. And so I think it'll be a lot more competitive. Um, really the only things that I could be surprised with is Kansas city finishing last or Las Vegas finishing first. I think any other combination of those I I'm okay with, or, you know, I, I would buy, I think I would buy as a realistic outcome. Um, uh, and I think that that'll change by week one. It's, it's all speculation just because it, it's tough to, it's tough to judge how the Broncos are going to play with Russell Wilson. I mean, the quarterback has to fit. It doesn't really matter how good the quarterback is. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, it's a, it's a gauntlet in that division. And I think that other than, yeah, those two outcomes I mentioned, I think that, any other combination of those four, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised that I think. Um, cool. All right. So moving on now, we just got the NFC to, to deal with now. And hopefully this go a little quicker just because they're, I think a little more straightforward. Um, we'll start in the North and uh, surprisingly enough, we're going the, and, and a football podcast. We'll talk about the bears uh, in June. Um, my question to you is, is Justin Fields a member of the Chicago bears in two years? Certainly doesn't seem that way. That's that's not the way the organization has acted. And I, I get a lot of heat from Bears fans on this. I wrote a blog and lots of people wrote mean comments and I was fine with it. But what like what have they done to show that they believe in Justin Fields this offseason? Like I, yeah, they, I don't anything really. They drafted Bayless Jones in like the third round and and that's supposed to make me feel all warm and happy about the Bears I mean I I I don't really think so Justin Fields I think is a good quarterback I think there is a shot he improves in year two but ultimately the team is tanking right now that that is what they showed in their draft they said okay we're gonna take young high upside players with low floors and 
we're just going to see what sticks this year. We've got a new defensive head coach. We're completely blown this thing up and totally rebuilding. And, you know, we'll, we'll see if that works. But when you say that, you usually don't keep the quarterback. There's usually a change of plans at that point. And I think at some point next offseason, things could get very ugly in Chicago. And Justin Fields could be in, you know, a Baker Mayfield type position before he even really gets a shot. So, yeah, I, you know, I think it, I don't even think it's necessarily a Baker situation just because I I think that, I mean, inconsistent wise uh, or consistency wise, I think that Baker kind of played his way out of Cleveland, but I, I don't know that trading Justin Fields necessarily would be his fault. You know what I mean? Like, if this team goes six and 11 again, I don't think it's Justin Fields' fault, really. Um, I I think it's such a talent poor roster. I mean, you're, you got, you're getting, you're just getting whoever and hoping that people stick on this team. This depth chart is, is abysmal. Um, Like I only know some of these names because they were on my team at one point or another. Like um, I, I, the receiving core is, is, you're, you're going to have to have some just astronomical seasons from guys to even compete and even try to get to 500. I think, I, I think it's bleak, but um, you know, is it one of those things where if he shows flashes, you know, you kind of give it that ju- the, the Zach Wilson treatment where you're like, okay, let's, let's put some better people around him next year. And then if it's still bad, then maybe we move on. Or is it like, uh, you know, if, if this team wins four games next year, is Justin Fields trade capital now? Like, is it, is it, is it that sort of situation? You just kind of tear it all down or, you know, is there a chance do you think that he demonstrates enough to not save his job because he'll, he'll play somewhere else, but um, to show that it's, it's not his fault and that I don't, you know, I don't, nobody's talking about him as a bust or anything like that, but you know, usually you can tell when a team fails uh uh, if it's the quarterback or if it's the system around him. And I, I wouldn't blame him if this team stinks next year. I don't think it's his fault. Again, I could be proven wrong. The tape will prove me wrong, but you know, it, it I, I could see there. It's very realistic. I think that Justin Fields is traded for picks next, next draft. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, but I certainly wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah. I mean, and the the lines, are looking at least more entertaining now, you know, you never know. Um, they might not be last in their own division. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, that, that division's tough. A lot of, a lot of just abysmal teams in that, in the, in the North there. Um, all right, next up, uh, we got the NFC East. Um, and this one, uh, I was, I wanted to be a little, uh, mixed on mixed with these questions and it just want to ask who's the best and who, why are the worst teams the worst, but, um, so this one's a little different. My question is, who is more likely to have a new starting quarterback next year, uh, New York or Washington? You know, I think the answer is New York. Really? I do think there's an outside chance that Carson Wentz, with Terry McLaurin, one of the better wide receivers in – the NFL right now and with Curtis Samuels if he can stay healthy plus you add Jahan Dotson as a deep threat 
it is just not the worst attacking core. And if you give Carson Wentz weapons, he'll do just enough to put up really impressive numbers to the point where you think, okay, he might be the guy. I think Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones, and we've seen what Daniel Jones is. And I think we've seen what Carson Wentz is too, and I think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. And so I think the Giants are probably moving on from Daniel Jones come next year. Yeah, I, it's surprising on the out on the on the face of it, just because Carson Wentz is in his is it is he's in his first year with the team, and he has this track record now of not really sticking around with teams that long, um, even the team that drafted him. Um, but I, I do remember, uh, and and New York didn't um, extend; they didn't give uh, what is it? They didn't do the fifth year option for Daniel Jones, so. I think they're already kind of selling on him. Uh, and maybe if that wasn't there, I, I would believe a little more that, that Carson, I would pick Carson first, but it, yeah, it already kind of seems like new uh, New York is, is looking elsewhere for, for their quarterback solution. Um, and I, I don't blame them. Yeah. I, I think you're right. We we've seen enough of, of Daniel Jones, I think at least as a starter. Um, and I would probably draft a quarterback before, you know, Saquon demands a trade, just, you know, that I feel like that's good. That's closer to happening than, than we, than we're ready for. But, um, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely thought you were going to pick uh, Washington just because Carson Wentz is a shakier option. You know, he's been more places. And I mean, I, I, I kind of agree that he's in a better spot now in Washington than he was in Indy, but I mean, Indian, Indianapolis had plenty of weapons too. And I mean, we saw how that, that ended up going. I mean, does that, do you think that he, like you, you think that he was in a better or he has better weapons now Carson Wentz does than he did in Indianapolis, even with, you know, Michael Pittman and Mo Ali Cox, a tight end, you know, there's some, some receiver help there. You know, do you think that Washington's got better options right now? Yeah, I think Washington's got better options right now than Indianapolis did a year ago. I think that this is a better surrounding cast. So I think there's a chance that he could be slightly better. Uh, and, you know, the division's always a little bit weak. I think the Eagles are going to be very good this year, but they, I think Washington, will they be a playoff team? It's not out of a realm of possibility. The bottom of the NFC is going to be weak. The, the last playoff team to get into the NFC, mark my words, is going to have eight or nine wins. That's just the way it's going to be. It's a weak conference. Like they, they're, the strength is in maybe two teams at the top, and then it's a lot of open yeah, questions. Really. I agree. So I think that there's definitely a chance they can make the playoffs. I think this is a roster that can make the playoffs. Will that happen? That depends on coaching. I don't think Ron Rivera, for as much as everyone loves Ron Rivera, has done a particularly good job coaching this team over the past few years. It'll be interesting to see if if that improves this year and if they can make their way to uh, to back back to the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we got the NFC South. Um, my question for you is. Which team is on the shakiest ground outside of Tampa Bay? So this is looking at the three other teams, the Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, and New Orleans Saints. Obviously, New Orleans is a bit of a question just because, I mean, there are so many unanswered things. You have a first-year coach. 
uh, quarterback is uh, like there's articles being written about the quarterback situation and, and you know, uh, New Orleans was in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And so there's a lot of questions around the, uh, the NFC South. And so my, my question is, um, you know, who, who's staring into the abyss the most out of those three teams, obviously Tampa Bay's fine. Um, at least this year, cause Tom Brady's still there, but, um, you know, at Atlanta, they, they had a pretty decent draft. I think Drake London is, I think a pretty, he's going to be a pretty good wide receiver. Um, but other than that, I mean, the, it's just all three of these teams are just, there's, they're big question marks. So yeah, that, that's my question to you is what, where do you think, like, how does this shake down? Who's on the shakiest ground right now, uh, in the NFC South? You know, to me, let me just rule out some teams. I don't think it's the Saints, mainly because the Saints bring back almost everyone on defense and they had like a top five defense last year. And they bring in Jarvis Landry. They draft Chris Olave. I think the Saints are a really good team. I think the Saints, they probably don't challenge Tampa Bay, but they might. I mean, they beat them twice in the regular season last year. It could be something that they do again. I think the Saints are a playoff team. That's just the way I feel about them. I think it's going to be a top 10 offense. I think they have a great defense. And and I just believe in Jameis. And maybe that's stupid. But with all the talent around him, I think people forget the thing about Jameis Winston is, yes, he's funny and he throws 30 interceptions. But he also throws 30 touchdowns. Like, if he gets even slightly better, if he even throws 10 less interceptions and throws like 20 interceptions, he's still probably going to throw 30, 32 touchdowns. And that's going to be enough to get you to the playoffs probably. So I like the saints a lot. It's not them. I think we'd view the Panthers. And and this is just true of every roster in the NFL. If the Panthers had a feasible starting quarterback, we would view the roster much differently. DJ Moore is one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Robbie Anderson's suddenly talking about retirement, probably because he hates playing for a team that doesn't have a quarterback. But Robbie Anderson is a great wide receiver. Terrence Marshall showed real flashes at points last year and is a great wide receiver. They bring in Ikem Ekwanu at left tackle. That helps a bad offensive line get a little bit better. They still have weaknesses all over, but the defense last year was not bad. It just was not bad. And the front seven still looks good to me. If they had a quarterback, I would feel much better, but they don't. So they're they're pretty shaky. I think the easy answer here to answer your question, though, is Atlanta. I think it's the worst roster in the NFL, hands down. I mean, what do they have? On offense, they have... Kyle Pitts, and that's about it. That's about the only proven piece. Maybe Correll Patterson was great last year. We don't know if that's going to last consistently. He hadn't played in the position he played until last year, so we we don't really even know what we're getting from him there. Brady Jarrett is rapidly aging on the defensive side, and I would say, oh, maybe he's their best defensive player. Maybe A.J. Terrell is, but I don't know about that. It's an old defense. It's a largely old offense, and they're totally rebuilding. I don't think the Falcons are going to be very good at all. I think they're the worst team in the NFL. So I, I think uh, the really? Falcons are the easy answer. Yeah. Over Houston. Yeah, I think Houston did 
a really good job this year of taking players that they can immediately start. There are starters on Houston's roster. There are not starters on the Falcons roster. Huh. That that's it. That's an interesting take. I mean, I, I was picking between Atlanta and uh, Carolina, I, not for the worst, for the uh, shakiest team, just to go back to the question. But, um, you know, I, I maybe I meant it more of like if if any of these teams have a horrible season, um, you know, do they blow it all up? And I think that Carolina is is. I don't know. I, I, I mean, if they if they have another, you know, they finished fourth last last season, they were five and 12 team. They go five and 12 again, you know, does everything blow up and you get rid of everyone, you know, you're shopping. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was in uh, not trade talks, but I mean, there were rumors uh, last off season and there's probably going to be, especially if they struggle early um, this season. And so I, I feel like they're, they have the most uh, potential to change. I think, I think they're one bad season away from, getting rid of anyone whose name you would know, I think, and just starting over. Um, but that that's a strong take, Atlanta. I'm, and now I'm curious to just kind of see where they're going to land. Um, I mean, I, I, I like a chance for a one or two win team. I mean, they are not. I mean, you're counting on Mark. Look, like how many games is Marcus Mariota going to win? Not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like he's your starting quarterback. Yeah, and, I, and maybe Desmond Ritter starts at some point, but yeah, they're yeah, no, to me, he, it's just far and away. You look at that roster and you say, okay, yeah, that's easy to pick up. That's the worst one. That's that's true. That's yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I, you definitely do need to see a year two explosion out of Kyle Pitts. I think, I think he needs to be a focal point. Just, I mean, you took him with where you took him in the draft. I think he he needs to have a stellar season i think he needs he to have a like a stellar season last year i'll say that but that's we'll true see. that's true i mean i think I, I don't i don't think he has anything to prove but he, this year is going to be hopefully drake london is good and the offense is watchable just be watchable that's what you're trying to be but this is not this is not this is a team that's going to look a lot different a year from now yeah I agree. I agree. I, yeah. Not, not a ton of names on the defense that I can even recognize. Um, all right. And so last question uh, for our exercise, and we're going to, we're going to get existential here right at the end. Uh, moving on to the NFC West. Uh, your question is, um, will Los Angeles's draft strategy of, and this is a quote here, F them picks revolutionize the way teams approach um, uh, drafts and the season and roster building um, similar to the effects that advanced analytics had a couple of years ago. So, so the question, and I'll simplify it because I, I was rambling, but is, is the way the Rams attack roster building going to change the league the way that advanced analytics did? Or do you think that LA is just a one-time thing, an, an experiment, not an experiment, but a, a one-time process that won't work outside of Los Angeles? Well, I think this offseason – has shown that in a way, yes. I mean, you look at the Russell Wilson trade, you look at the Devontae Adams trade, you look at basically the Khalil Mack trade, you look at basically every trade this offseason, and there were a lot, 
Lots of first-round picks got exchanged. And will we really know an answer for five years? No. What, give me five years would be my real answer, but if you pressed me on it, I'd say yes. You saw that happen this offseason. Teams are already starting to do that to a lesser extent. Just depends on how everyone's just watching the Rams. Just depends on what the Rams look like in five years. If this doesn't, if you draft well, if you can pick those diamonds in the rough in the third and fourth and fifth round and turn them into starting level NFL players with stars around them, then yeah, it could work. But you have to have a really good front office and you have to have a really solid plan. And I, yeah, that's, that's what, that would be my answer. I think that's, that's reasonable. I, I don't think, I think if there is going to be change, it'll happen before that five years. I mean, that's more of a, I think that's more a consequence of the league is going to move too fast and they're going to overreact, I think. Um, so I, I think if the Rams are, I think if they have a strong, like next two years, I think we'll start to see it. And I think the teams will, I mean, and we're already seeing it, but I think that we'll start to see it adopted on a more uh, wide uh, spread scale um, where I think that they have the chance to really kind of change the way that, yeah, that, that teams attack, um, their rosters and the way that they build, um, you know, they, the Rams didn't pick this year until the third round. And so if they can take that, that draft pedigree and with the star power and all that still go far, I think that'll really change the way that the teams think about things. And, you know, I think that the, the losers of that, I think is these guys that are getting picked later in the draft, um, uh, just because you know they're they're going to be viewed as even more expendable, I think, than 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 teams already think they are. Um, and yeah, it's a lot. You're going to have to find diamonds in the rough a lot more. Um, but I think that just the way that the Rams kind of took over and the the things that they were able to do, uh, I think, really will shape the way that that teams draft. At least I think that they have the potential to. Um, all right, that that's our exercise. That was that was fun. We should definitely do that again. Yeah, it was fun. We, we learned a little bit. Let's do a quick mailbag here. If we don't get to your question today, I will do these once again later. I'm going to pick a few of these here. All right, from my good friend Donnie, and I'll ask you this first, Zach. How is Tony Pollard not the starting running back for the Cowboys? That, that's a great that's a good question. I, I think it has a lot to do with where you drafted Ezekiel Elliott and kind of the, the pedigree that he had coming out of the draft um, and where he was selected. And I mean, yeah, he, he produced, I think his first year, obviously with, with Dak Prescott was amazing, but you know, I think that every season after that, honestly, has has left me wanting a bit for uh, production. I mean, the uh, and again, it's 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 a team consequence, but the the Cowboys, you know, have been up and down and in and out of the playoffs. He hasn't had a postseason touchdown in his career. Um, and I think that they I think that if, if he was drafted in the second round, I don't even think he'd be on the team anymore. Uh, but it's the fact that you took him fourth overall in um, 2016 that you kind of have to make him fit. And a lot of guys are going to look dumb if he doesn't fit. And so it might be kind of forcing the foot into the shoe a little bit to, to leave him first on the death chart. But 
Um, I think you're definitely kind of handicapped by that. And, and uh, I believe it was Greg Rosenthal who said something about how he's not, I don't think he's on the Cowboys next year. I, I kind of believe him. You know, if he has another season like he did last year, what what's stopping you from from getting what you can for him and, and wiping your hands clean? Um, to, so to answer your question, I think it has most is mostly to do with where you drafted Ezekiel Elliott and the fact that you you have to use him and he for people to keep their jobs. He has to be good and he has to work out, even though I don't think he has uh, given where they drafted him. OK, yeah. You know, there's no way to watch Cowboys tape and not see Tony Pollard. He just pops up the screen. He's a great running back. But as long as Elliott's there under contract, they're going to use him. Uh, hopefully, he'll be a little bit more healthy this year. Mike McCarthy had a quote about that earlier this week, actually, earlier today, I think. But that could be just be a trope. Who knows? But, yeah, that is a great question, Donnie. I would say it's probably because they're paying him a boatload of money and they don't want to admit that that contract was just extremely stupid to end up giving him. But who knows? Maybe he'll be a surprise camp cut. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked by that, but surprise camp cuts are there to be surprising. And I think that would be, you know. there. I mean, there's some teams. Uh, I don't know that they would ever trade him in the NFC, but there's 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 some running back needy teams i think that are that could use them yeah will britain covey make the eagles from our friend andrew i'll 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 take this first i do think so i think that teams need punt returners and he can be a punt returner for them i do think he adds an element of speed that the eagles wide receiving room could use an extra guy. Um, but, you know, if you had to press me honestly, and I mean, I talked to Ryan about this, our good friend and senior draft analyst here on the end zone podcast, huge Eagles fan. He doesn't think he will. So I'll, you know, I'll listen to the man who's smarter than me and I'll say probably not, unfortunately. I, I think it could depend. I don't, I think he is a, I think it's like a gadget player situation. You bring him in in special situations. Um, I, I think that the the receiving core is a little too deep. I think, uh, especially with AJ Brown. Um, I think that there are just too many guys ahead of him in the receiving core. Um, that being said, uh, I do think he's a fantastic returner. Obviously we both saw him in his time at the U. Um, and I think that, uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen Greg Ward return punts. He's the guy that they that ESPN at least has on their depth chart as the punt returner. Um, I, I think that Britton Covey has some really special talent when it comes to punt returns and uh, attacking a return as opposed to running a play. I, I, I think that size is definitely an issue with him as a receiver. Um, I just think that the guys he's lining up against are, are, too, are so big and athletic. And that's not to say he's not athletic, but um, just on the level that NFL players are at. Um, I mean, other than the punt returns at, at the University of Utah, I think he had not a quiet season last year, but I think that there were other guys that that might have that outperformed him, I think, in the receiving uh, uh, section or part of their offense. And so 
Um, as a receiver, I don't think it's there. I think that he could potentially land somewhere else and maybe start. I'd have to look at that. Um, there are definitely some teams that could use a good slot receiver or a good, you know, gadget receiver, things like that. But um, if the way in is through punt returning and through special teams and being available for trick plays and things like that, I definitely think he could find his way onto the field. I definitely don't think he'll be cut if that's the question um, that's being asked. I think that he will make the 53 man roster playing time is a different question, but I think he makes it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to end up to see what ends up happening with that one. All right. We'll call it a day on those mailbag questions. We have some more. We'll get to them at a later date, but I don't want this to run super long. So I will let you go, Zach. Thank you so much for joining us and hope to have you on within the coming weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the, uh, the invitation. Yes. I will. I will have to get on now that uh, I'm a Salt Lake city native and I don't have to worry about where my paychecks are coming from anymore. Yeah. That must be nice. Hoping to get to yeah. that point. <laughs> all well, right. We'll all get there. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Zach. Uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. We will have another episode or maybe two out next week. Check them out. Thanks and see you all later. Peace out.